Hello, welcome to module 10 in our series of lessons on Cambridge A-level biology. The topic of this module, the topic of this chapter is infectious diseases. Infectious diseases. To start with, let us define some basic terminologies that we need to be familiar with. Disease. What is a disease? A disease is a disorder of the body or mind that leads to poor health. A disorder of the body or of the mind that results in poor health or that leads to poor health. Now, diseases can either be described as infectious disease or non-infectious disease. What is an infectious disease? An infectious disease is a disease that is caused by a pathogen and can be transmitted from an affected individual to a healthy individual or unaffected individual. Examples of infectious diseases are cholera, tuberculosis, and malaria. Now, what is a non-infectious disease? This is a disease that is not caused by a pathogen and usually cannot be transmitted from an affected person to an unaffected person. Examples of non-infectious diseases are lung cancer, emphysema, sickle cell anemia, or chronic bronchitis. Now, in talking about infectious diseases, there's a concept, there's a term called carrier. What is a carrier? Who is a carrier? A carrier is an individual that carries a pathogen within his or her body system, but does not exhibit the symptoms of the disease. So the person carries the pathogen and the person can transmit it. However, that person does not exhibit the symptoms of the disease. Now, what is transmission cycle? What is the meaning of the term transmission cycle? Transmission cycle refers to the sequence of transfer of pathogens from one host to another. This is a very important term because when it comes to eradicating diseases, the objective of healthcare professionals, public healthcare experts, is to break the transmission cycle. In other words, do something to ensure that the pathogen is not transferred from one host to another and different things can be done to achieve this we are going to be looking at this later on we are going to be talking about some infectious diseases and we're going to be treating each of those infectious diseases under this blood heading number one what is the causative agent of the disease number two what are the effects of the disease on the body what are the signs and symptoms that will be observed if somebody has a disease number three how is the disease transmitted and number four, how can the disease be treated? How is the disease treated? We're going to look at how the disease can be prevented, controlled, managed. And then we're going to look at the distribution of the diseases, of some of the diseases worldwide. We're going to start with measles. Measles. Measles is caused by a virus called mobilivirus. It's caused by a virus called mobilivirus. And it is usually transmitted by direct contact with an infectious droplet or via airborne droplets that are spread by coughing, sneezing or breathing. So measles is spread by direct contact with an infectious droplet. What are the effects of measles on the body? The symptoms of measles usually do not develop until after about 10 to 12 days of exposure after until after about 10 to 12 days after exposure. So the symptoms usually show up after about 10 days of being exposed to the and virus and the symptoms include fever, runny nose, cough, red eyes and sore throat, red flat rash 
that starts from around the face and then spreads around the body is one of the characteristic signs of measles. How can it be treated? There is no specific drug used to treat measles directly. However, the symptoms such as fever can be managed. Immune boosting drugs can be administered until the immune system is able to destroy the viruses. How can measles be prevented or controlled? How can the spread of measles be controlled? Simply by vaccination. So little children are usually vaccinated to prevent them from catching the, um, the disease, from catching the infection. All right, let's go to another one, cholera. Cholera. Cholera is caused by a bacteria called Vibrio cholerae. It's caused by bacteria. So cholera is caused by a, vir a, a bacteria, sorry, a bacteria called Vibrio cholerae. And how can it be transmitted? It is usually transmitted through contaminated food or water. If an infected person touches food or water with their contaminated hands, or they handle cooking utensils without washing their hands. An uninfected person may drink the water or eat the food, and by that, they will contract the infection. How does vibrio cholerae affect the body? Once ingested, the bacteria can escape the acidic environment of the stomach, can survive, and move over into the intestine. Sometimes it may not survive, but if it survives and moves over into the intestine, it can cause problems. And once it is in the intestine, the bacteria secretes a toxin called cholerogen, which disrupts the function of the epithelial lining of the intestine. This causes salt and water to leave the blood. And as salt and water leaves the blood, it's secreted into the intestinal lumen, and it causes the person to excrete a lot of um, fluid, fluid waste. It, it, the characteristic sign of cholera is severe diarrhea. It's commonly described as rice water watery stool. Rice water stool is a very watery stool that the person keeps on excreting over and over and over. So this loss of um, excessive loss of salt and water can lead to um, severe dehydration and it can lead to the death of the affected individual. So the signs and features of cholera include severe diarrhea, dehydration, and general weakness. How can it be treated? The treat Treatment of cholera is done using oral rehydration therapy. This is basically a solution that contains a mixture of glucose and salt and basically helps to replace the fluid that is being lost due to the diarrhea and helps to maintain the osmotic balance of the body and tissue fluid. Administering water alone to an infected person to an affected person will not help. This is because administering water can increase the water level of the blood and result in anemia. And moreover, the individual that is affected is not losing water alone, he's also losing salt too. So water must be administered along with salt and glucose. Antibiotics may also be administered to the affected individual to kill the bacteria. So those are things that can be done to treat cholera. How can cholera be prevented? Cholera can be prevented by providing proper sewage disposal systems in towns, villages and cities. It can be prevented by providing pipe-borne water for communities. So this helps to ensure that people don't just go to lakes and streams and rivers to fetch water, which the, the lakes may have been contaminated. So pipe-borne water, provision of pipe-borne water within communities helps to control and prevent the outbreak and spread of cholera. Vaccination also helps. In other words, individual traveling to cholera endemic areas may be administered some kind of passive vaccine 
which provides short-term protection to cholera. So these are things that can be done to um, prevent and control cholera. How is cholera distributed worldwide? Well, cholera is widespread in Asia, in Africa, and in Latin America. Outbreaks of cholera may occur after natural disasters such as earthquake and floods. And this is simply because cholera, um, such outbreaks have a way of damaging sewage disposal system and pipe-borne water delivery systems in cities and affected areas. So that's that about cholera. Now let's go to another infection, malaria. Malaria. Malaria is caused by a protozoa parasite of the plasmodium genome, a protozoa parasite called plasmodium. And there are four common species of plasmodium that are associated with malaria. You have plasmodium falciparum, which is perhaps the most deadly. You have plasmodium vivax, plasmodium ovale, and plasmodium malaria. How is malaria transmitted? Malaria is transmitted by the female Anopheles mosquito. And usually it is transmitted when this female Anopheles mosquito bites an infected individual in order to obtain a blood meal. And while sucking the blood of that infected individual, it sucks the malaria parasite along with the blood meal. And when this parasite enters into the mosquito, it moves into the salivary gland of the mosquito and it matures there. When that same mosquito bites another person, usually let's say a healthy person now, when it bites another person to obtain a blood meal, it will inject saliva into that healthy person. Remember, that saliva already contains what? Already contains plasmodium parasites. So the plasmodium parasite will enter into the infected, into the um, person that the mosquito is biting, and that parasite will move into the blood and then move into the different parts of the body and begin to develop. And then malaria symptoms begin to show. So it's basically transmitted by the female Anopheles mosquito. So it's described as a vector-borne infection. How does malaria affect the body? The parasite invades the liver cells and matures within them. And from the liver cells, it moves into the blood, where the parasite begins to invade red blood cells and begins to grow and multiply within the red blood cells. As it grows and multiplies in the red blood cells, it destroys the red blood cells. And this leads to um, severe anemia. The release of the parasites from the red blood cells also leads to, also results in fever. So the common symptoms associated with malaria include fever, headache, body ache, nausea, and some other symptoms like that. How is it treated? Malaria can be treated by administering anti-malaria drugs such as quinine, artemita, or other artemisinin-based drugs. It can also be prevented by using prophylactic drugs such as mefloquine and proguanil. Now, how do you control the spread of malaria? Controlling the spread of malaria basically involves controlling the spread, controlling the, um, um, the breeding of mosquitoes. You know, mosquitoes are the vectors that transmit um, malaria. So if you can control the breeding of um, mosquitoes, you can minimize the spread of malaria. Meanwhile, malaria is prevalent in tropical and subtropical countries because climate of these areas favor the breeding of um, mosquito, especially the female Anopheles mosquito. So if these areas want to minimize the spread, the outbreak of malaria, they need to reduce the population of mosquitoes. That's one strategy that can be adopted. Another strategy can be to minimize or prevent mosquito bites. And then the third strategy can be to use drugs to prevent infections. 
Now what can be done to reduce mosquito population? Basically, clear stagnant water bodies and puddles, which serves as a breeding site for mosquitoes. Drain marshes, clear vegetations, spread oil over water surface so that mosquito larva and pupa won't be able to breathe. Also, um, biological control methods can also be adopted. For example, you can stock ponds with fishes. These fishes will hit the mosquito larva. You can also stock ponds, spray ponds with Bacillus thuringiensis. That's a bacteria that kills mosquito larva. But that bacteria is not toxic to other life forms. So, insecticide, um, to prevent um, mosquito bites, individuals can sleep under insecticide-treated nets. So these are strategies that can be adopted to prevent malaria and to control the spread of, of malaria. Now, what are the difficulties that have been experienced in controlling and eradicating malaria? Number one, plasmodium parasites develop resistance to common anti-malaria drugs readily. For example, chloroquine used to be used for a long time, was very effective. But after time, after some time, the plasmodium parasite developed resistance to it. And so commonly, individuals are not treated with chloroquine again. So that's one of the challenges. Mosquito also becomes resistant to insecticide. That's another problem associated with um, eradicating malaria. Another problem is political unrest and wars in many countries, especially in Africa. It interferes with efforts to spray houses with insecticides and other malaria control um, efforts. Okay? Difficulty in developing malaria marks vaccine also is a problem. Developing the malaria vaccine has been a challenge for many, many years. Then the climate of tropical countries also favor the growth and breeding of malaria parasites. And then migration of people from malaria endemic areas to non-endemic areas is also contributing to the increased prevalence of malaria in many places. Now let's talk about tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis is a bacterial infection, meaning that it is caused by bacteria called Mycobacterium tuberculosis and Mycobacterium bovis. M tuberculosis, M represents Mycobacterium. Mycobacterium tuberculosis and Mycobacterium bovis. How can it be transmitted? Tuberculosis is transmitted by hair droplets or by consumption of undercooked beef or by drinking um, unpasteurized milk from an infected cow. So, mycobacterium tuberculosis can usually be transmitted by ear droplets. In other words, an infected person coughs or sneezes. They release ear droplets into the ear. A healthy person inhales the ear that contains that droplet, and then they may develop the infection. And the mycobacterium bovis can be transmitted by eating undercooked beef from an infected cow or by drinking unpasteurized milk from an infected cow. Now, how does um, mycobacterium affect the body. Mycobacterium invades the lung tissue and once they come in contact with the alveolar macrophages, they are ingested by these macrophages. However, many of these bacterial cells do not get destroyed inside the macrophages. Some of them may escape and they begin to multiply within the macrophages. And after a while, when the macrophage dies, these bacterial cells will get released and they spread through the lymphatic system into the bloodstream and to other parts of the body where they can cause further damage. Some affected organs and tissues include bones, kidneys, brains, larynx. That's apart from the lungs also. So once they escape from the lungs, they can move to other parts of the body and begin to cause damage. The infection destroys lung tissue and leads to cough. And as the individual coughs, they release ear droplets that contains bacteria into the ear 
and this can lead to the spread of the of the infection how can it be treated tuberculosis is usually treated by administering antibiotics and these antibiotics are usually used over a long period of time many combination of drugs are usually administered over a long period of time about six to nine months or more and many affected individuals do not usually take the drugs regularly because of the long duration that you have to use the drug for and so it increases the chances that drug resistance will develop so that's one of the challenges with eradicating um, tuberculosis how can you prevent and control tuberculosis number one vaccination many countries administer bcg vaccine to children and this gives them some level of immunity to tuberculosis Okay, that's one thing that can be done. Another thing that can be done is contact tracing. Contact tracing. In other words, individuals that have been in contact with an infected person will be contacted, will be identified, and they will be screened for TB. And once diagnosis is confirmed to be positive, treatment will commence. Okay, so that's another thing that can be done to prevent and control the spread of tuberculosis. Another thing that can be done is to ensure that beef and beef is cooked properly. And milk should also be well pasteurized before consumption. Before consumption. Alright, let's go to another infection. That's AIDS. AIDS. Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome. AIDS. AIDS is caused by a virus known as Human Immunodeficiency Virus, HIV. And how does it affect the body? When HIV enters the body, the virus invades the TL lymphocytes and macrophages and begins to multiply inside them. And as it multiplies and reproduces inside them, it destroys them. So once these TLPAR cells, especially the TLPAR cells are destroyed, the immune system becomes weakened and the immunity of the individual is lowered to various infections such as tuberculosis, flu and fungal infections. As these infections develop in the individual, this, the, the person may eventually die as a result of these infections. These infections are described as opportunistic infections. Opportunistic infections. Basically, they are taking advantage of the fact that the immune system is weak. They are using that opportunity to what? To overwhelm the body of the affected individual. So the symptoms of, of AIDS include weight loss, diarrhea, fever, sweating, and dementia. How is AIDS transmitted? AIDS is usually transmitted through the exchange of body fluids such as semen or vaginal fluids during sexual intercourse. It can also be transmitted through infected blood or blood products, through administering infected blood or blood products to an individual, or through the use of contaminated hypodermic needle. It can also be transmitted from an infected mother to her fetus across the placenta, or during childbirth, or during breastfeeding. Now, how was the distribution of AIDS? AIDS is distributed widely across the globe, but it is more common in sub-Saharan Africa, in parts of South America and in parts of Asia. Many social practices such as having multiple sexual partners contribute to the spread of the infection. Other practices include sharing of needles by individuals who abuse drugs. These are practices that contribute to the, to the spread of um, HIV AIDS. Also, transfusion of unscreened blood, especially in low-income countries. Many of these countries, they don't usually screen blood before administering them to patients in the hospital. 
and if the blood is contaminated or, or is from an, if, of, of, from a person that is infected with HIV, the person who will receive the transfused blood will also develop HIV. So how can HIV be prevented and controlled? What are the strategies? Number one, use condom during sexual intercourse. Use condom or female doms, female doms during sexual intercourse. Then, screen of blood before administering blood should also be done. Blood should be screened before administering it. Then, treating of infected pregnant women to minimize their chance of transmission to the unborn baby, to their unborn babies or to their babies during childbirth should also be done. Then, contact tracing. In other words, individuals that an affected person has had sexual intercourse with should be, I mean, identified contact tracing so that they can be tested for um, HIV and then in case they are positive, treatment can begin as soon as possible. Now let's talk about smallpox. Smallpox is caused by a virus called variola virus. Variola virus. And it is usually transmitted by direct physical contact or contact with the bodily fluids from an infected person or contaminated objects such as beddings or clothing. The symptoms include fever, widespread screen rash, which changes into raised bumps and fills up with fluid, and then scabs after some days. Severe headache can also occur, backache, abdominal pain, and vomiting. Now, note this. Smallpox has been eradicated worldwide. This is perhaps the only infectious disease that has been eradicated so far as at today, year 2020. Now, let's talk about antibiotics. What are antibiotics? Antibiotics are medicines that are used to stop the growth of bacteria in infected individuals and used to treat bacterial infections. Antibiotics work by interfering with specific metabolic reactions that are essential for the growth or multiplication of bacterial cells and or by preventing the functioning of certain organelles and structures within the cells. Some antibiotics are bacteriostatic and some are bactericidal. Bacteriostatic antibiotics inhibit the growth of bacterial cells, whereas bactericidal antibiotics cause the death of bacteria. Common antibiotics include erythromycin, penicillin, ciprofloxacin, rifampicin, polymycin. All these antibiotics have their different mode of action. For example, erythromycin inhibits protein synthesis by binding to ribosomes and preventing translation. Ciprofloxacin inhibits DNA replication. Rifampicin inhibits RNA synthesis. Polymyxin alters the structure of cell membrane. Penicillin, which we are going to talk more about, inhibits cell wall synthesis. Now let's talk some more about um, penicillin. What is the mode of action of penicillin? Penicillin binds to the enzyme that forms cross links within the bacterial cell wall and prevents the formation of these cross links. As a result, the peptidoglycan cell wall of the bacterial cell is weakened. And as water enters into the bacterial cell by osmosis, the cell will eventually rupture and the bacterial cell dies. Penicillin does not affect viruses, neither do they affect human cell or um, eukaryotic cells. Why? Because viruses and human cells and other eukaryotic cells do not have peptidoglycan cell wall. Get? And if you don't have peptidoglycan cell wall, that means um, penicillin does not have anything to bind to or to inhibit. You get so that's the mode of action of penicillin now antibiotic resistance what is antibiotic resistance antibiotic resistance can be defined as the ability of bacteria to grow and multiply in the presence of normal 
therapeutic dosages of antibiotics of the antibiotics it occurs as a result of chance mutation within bacterial cell during their growth and reproduction these mutations can result in a change in the structure of a protein that the antibiotic normally binds to and inhibits and as a result the antibiotic will no longer be able to bind to it and then the bacteria keeps on growing and reproducing itself other mutations can result in the ability of the bacteria to actively pump out the antibiotic from the cell leading to the reduced effectiveness of the antibiotic and so once some bacterial cells have experienced mutation and they have developed genes for antibiotic resistance the usage of that same antibiotic will cause the bacterial cells that are resistant to the antibiotic to survive and to reproduce and to increase in the population so as you use that drug more and more the bacterial cells that are resistant they will be able to what they will be able to reproduce they'll keep on reproducing the ones that are not resistant they may be killed by the antibiotic however the ones that are resistant will what they will reproduce more and more and produce more bacterial cells and then antibiotic resistance will increase now how does antibiotic resistance how does it spread there are two means by which it can spread the first one is called vertical transmission vertical transmission the second one is called horizontal transmission what is vertical transmission? This is a kind of transmission in which a bacterial cell reproduces asexually and produces daughter cells that have the genes for antibiotic resistance. Okay. Then horizontal transmission. That occurs when a bacterial cell combines with another bacterial cell and they carry out conjugation. During this process, they exchange plasmids. And these plasmids usually carry the gene for antibiotic resistance. So antibiotic resistance can spread from one bacterial cell to another bacterial cell even bacterial cells of different species if they can carry out conjugation antibiotic resistance can spread and that's why we need to be careful about the use of antibiotics because once antibiotic resistance occurs to a particular antibiotic it can lead to public health crisis within the community so what are the strategies can, that can be adopted to reduce the development and prevent the spread of antibiotic resistance I'll share some points and then I'm going to round up on that note. Number one, antibiotics should only be used with when appropriate and necessary. Number two, antibiotics should not be used for viral infections. You don't use antibiotics to treat viral infections. Number three, antibiotics should not be used without doctor's prescription. Number four, wide spectrum antibiotics should not be used in treating infections because this can cause the development of resistance to those antibiotics. Number four, patients should complete their course of treatment. And then number five, antibiotics used for human infections should not be used in treating animal infections. So these points are very, very important. Keep them in mind. I wish you all the best. Thank you.